970 WAMD Aberdeen, and this is the Harford Edge, keeping you on the cutting edge of what's new in Harford County and beyond. I'm co-host Mary Hassler, CEO of the Harford County Public Library, and I'm supposed to read this, Bob, and believe me, when you are as talented, brilliant, powerful, and beautiful as me, really, but thank you, dear, it's very difficult to be modest. <laughs> okay, let's start over, but somehow very I'm difficult good at to that be modest, also. What, what's next? And that is the wonderful, talented, very handsome, uh, with good hair, Bob Mumby. <laughs> I didn't write that. He does have good hair. He does. That's what I said today. I, I, and there's a secret about it, too. I won't say on air. But. I had a breakfast meeting at 7, so I got up and left the house. I just put a, a face cloth, damp face cloth on my head, then blow-dried it to make it not stick up. It's working. It's working. <laughs> Did you do that while you were driving here? <laughs> no, but that's one of my courtesy issues. Yeah. Oh, my. Um, okay, we have... well, let's, let's wait for that till you start your courtesy issues. All okay. right. The Harford Edge is brought to you each week by your Harford County Public Library. And today it's an honor to be speaking with Major General Randy S. Taylor, Commanding General, U.S. Army Communications Electronics Command, Senior Commander, Aberdeen Proving Ground. Hello, Blob. Bob. Hello, Blob. <laughs> Hello, Bob. How are I you? I definitely did not put that in the script. <laughs> I am fine. And thank you, uh, General Taylor. First, we would like to ask you, did you bring your Bradley to get to the station today? Yeah, it was a little, I needed on this dirt road outside your station. I know. What's up with that? It's... um. Believe it or not, county road or city road? It's privately owned road. Privately owned. It's a privately owned road. Good to see you both. Good morning. Good morning. Actually, I I'm wondering if you uh, have information on this. Uh, I just was reminded of it regarding the roads. We'll talk about it though after trivia. Uh, Now we're just going to talk about uh, our courtesy minute where we we share, knowing we're not perfect, what really grinds our gears about other people. You're welcome to jump in. Uh, oh, don't or, get me started. Oh, my gosh, um, I come off the cranky old general here. Get off uh, the lawn. Oh, and I can't imagine the, the number of stakeholders, if you will, that you have to deal with day in, day out on every level. So you deserve a, a few extra medals for that. Yeah, right. uh, no, but you know what's annoying? Uh, people in a movie theater who eat candy loudly. Oh, I agree. Anything loudly. Anything yes. loudly. The rustling okay. of the papers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there should be a rule. You're not allowed to chew anything with your mouth open in a right. movie theater. It should be instant discharge. Yes. I totally oh, agree. I totally agree. Closed. What about the Twizzlers? Take five out and then rip them apart. <laughs> Don't rip them apart inside that loud bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree with you on that. It is so annoying. In fact, I don't think you should be allowed to eat in movie theaters. I'm sorry, eat outside. Yeah. Yeah. Or unless, it's, I mean, unless it's like bananas or pudding, something. Really yeah, that's not fine. So loud. <laughs> but and the, the milk, but milk dud box. You're right. probably familiar with this with ATEC and testing uh, oh, yeah. things for envir- for the for the desert or whatever. You buy a box of milk duds. At least two of them are gonna get a little soft and re. Reharden and fuse themselves to the bottom of the box. Oh, yeah. So don't bang them out on your leg five <laughs> inches from my ear. Open the other end and take them out. That oh, way. no, no. Let's bang away. It, and yeah. you put those kind of glow in the dark instructions on the box. Yes. You don't run yeah. into this. My thing is litter. Drives me nuts. If, if, if I see somebody drop a candy wrapper, uh, a cigarette butt, I will just 
I don't know what it does. I just have a, a reflex. I've got to pull over. I got to uh, yeah. got to dress it on the spot wherever I am. And and the mess in the movie theaters after the show's over. It's oh, like, yeah. really? You yeah. just couldn't, there's a trash can like what, you, five feet away. You couldn't take your own trash and put that annoying popcorn thing. That and you literally does. can walk out of your shoes because they'll stick to oh, that. Oh, it's so gross. It's like our, our apartment in college, our kitchen floor. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but that's a, good, that's a good grape. I like that, too. I have one for you, too. If you want to send an email complaining about something or inquiring about something, put your real name in it. Tell uh, me who you are. Anonymous ones don't get too much attention. Plus, also, it's always questionable if it's somebody anonymous because mm -hmm. you never, you don't know who you're talking to or who you're responding to. So that's my latest pet peeve. Yeah, That's a good point. That's a little passive-aggressive when you don't put your name on there. Man up or woman up. Just own it. Just own it and exactly. tell me what you're well, upset about or whatever. Or keep your mouth shut. Uh, exactly. And and frankly, they say we're completely connected society. I mean, that's the the opposite. It's really disconnection. When can someone can hide behind anonymity, and basically make personal attacks, make false accusations, uh, etc., and never have to suffer the consequences. But it still spreads. It makes you wonder what they're hiding. Why wouldn't you say, I'm so-and-so, and I live in Bel Air, and I'd like you to look into blah, blah, blah. That's great. But anonymous? And, you know, unfortunately, usually the anonymous ones always have a little eh to them. They're always a little oh, yeah. a little mean nasty, or snarky yeah. or nasty, and you're like, wow. So we talk to our soldiers now about this. So you probably don't think of that. And we're basically, it's, it's this. If you won't do it or say it in person, we're not going to let you get away with doing it online. And we're not going to be out there monitoring, watching everything you do. No, but if it's reported to us, we're going to treat you the same as if you did in person. Hmm. And it, it's as easy as that. There's not like a, a two sets of rules, you know, some kind of invisible, passive-aggressive, anonymous set of rules, and then like what you would say to me in my office or in the parking lot set of rules. And we just we teach our soldiers to be accountable that way. And that's really helped uh, uh, soldiers think differently, maybe a little bit differently than how they were raised before they came in the Army, differently hmm. about their conduct, on and off duty because we hold them to the same standard 24 7 you're on or off duty you have to be the same person in the army that's that's really um i hadn't even thought of that's really an insightful thing to do um heritage department store uh regarding people hiding behind their anonymity or um uh, the the object of their anger not knowing their identity and mm -hmm. i think it was Harrods department store uh, their customer service desks, people would come up to them, and when they come up, normally they're trying to return something, they're very angry. Mm -hmm. And people were just berating the customer service desk people. People would be in tears. What Harrods did, I don't know who decided, they put a mirror behind the desk mm -hmm. so the person, the customer who was yelling, could see themselves. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that's effective. they said it had a huge impact. Um, on how they were treating that person. And it's interesting. It's, it's really just yeah. showing them what they're doing. Yeah. And did, did it make them realize or people, can, can people be that numb to the effect that their words and actions have on, on people? And I think it's wow. Facebook. Yeah, that's, wow. that's effective. It reminds me of an effective parenting uh, technique that I adopted trying to be uncle of the year. So Lucas and I have several nieces and uncles. uncles I'm sorry, nieces and nephews. 
I'm the oldest of seven kids, so that's that's a lot of fun. But when they were going through those kind of problematic ages, you know, where they would just act up or have tantrums, the quickest way to get them to stop was just to pull out the cell phone and record it. And as soon as they saw us recording it, they would stop. Wow. Own it. Exactly. Own it. Own it. Exactly. Be accountable. And that would, if that affects what you're saying you're doing, yeah, that's very interesting. I think I'll line my office with mirrors so no matter where you turn <laughs> people can see themselves and <laughs> well I, that's what i i, I that's an interesting concept i mean i really like it and yeah. in, in, uh, in one flew over the cuckoo's nest no, no i'm sorry to kill a mockingbird mm -hmm. i got my wrong bird uh, you were close novel. um when the carload of gentlemen came to uh, to hang mm -hmm. to lynch tom robinson when he was in the jail and atticus finch was sitting outside in the chair because he knew they were coming. And one of the guys was there, just step aside, Atticus, we want to get in there. And Scout, little Scout, was hiding with her brother. She came out and said, hey, Mr. Wilson, how's Billy? Because right. she went to school with this guy's son. And he looked at her and he saw what he was doing through her eyes. And mm. that's what made him say, let's go. And they slinked away. Same type of thing. Same type of thing. All right, so are we going to do any type of news at all today, Bob? No, no news, but we do okay. have some uh, today in history we wanted to talk about uh, okay. in honor of uh, um, in honor of General Taylor. Uh, 1775, June 14th, 100, 244 44 years, years. The, the, uh, the birth of the U.S. Army. Absolutely, yeah. We were founded before the country. And then two years after that, the Stars and Stripes was adopted as the national flag. Um, flag resolution stated, resolved that the flag of the United States be made of 13 stripes, alternate red and white, that the Union be 13 stars, white and a blue field, representing a new constellation. And the rest is history. And how many men and women do we are we indebted to? in 100, 244 years of the Army. There's just no words. No. Now, was the Army the first uh, unit to be established? or First, first service, First yes. service to be established? Absolutely. And That's shortly right. after the Marine Corps. That's why when you see all the service flags in order, you'll see the, the Army Is first. first, the Marine Corps, the Navy, and the Air Force. Okay. Yeah. And the yeah, army. so the history of the Army is really the history of the nation, if you think about it. We grew up together, yeah. even though the Army was formed just before the nation. And the Army is camped there, and the Air Force is at a hotel down the road, right? I've <laughs> 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 heard these jokes before. That's a bad joke. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Some good sibling, sibling rivalry between the services. And the cavalry is part of the Army, correct? It is. Yeah, I thought so. It is. I was always intrigued by the cavalry. Yeah. Yeah, as really a capability in the Army and kind of a, a legacy uh, going back to the third horse uh, days. But it, it's also this figure of speech, you know, when the cavalry arrives to save yes. the day. It's kind of synonymous with the Army arriving. Yeah. And there's still a cavalry, correct? Oh, yes, there is. I thought so. Yeah, but it's not on horses. I mean, we have ceremonial horses, but our, our cavalry now is in helicopters and, and, and armored vehicles and et cetera, et cetera. Is is there any, is there any truth that uh, when a, 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 there's a statue of a soldier on the horse, that the number of hooves off the ground say whether they died in battle or or 
something like I've that. I've not heard that, Bob. Well, we're going to have to... I think it's the monuments. They talked about that. Something about monuments. Yeah, where'd you pick that up? Um, <laughs> probably because there's been a lot of talk about monuments. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'm going to look that one up. That's so the good. Number I learn okay. something new yeah, every time right. I come here. Yeah. And I, I forget what the symbol for, but I can't, I guess two or, yes, I remember reading about that when they were talking, all the talk about the monuments um, in recent years. But I think you're right, Bob. And uh, one other thing regarding, you know, today in history or the history and its uh, ties uh, to the, um, uh, how intricately woven the army is into our, uh, daily lives and how we live now and the benefits uh, that we have. Uh, I was reminded of this when we were talking about coming down the, to the radio station, there's a dirt road that it's one of the best mogul hills mm -hmm. I've ever skied. It was fun. Uh, um, but I read a fascinating book called Ford, The Men and the Machine. Uh, it's worth a read. Henry was a little off, but he was just amazing on um, the groundbreaking things he did. But one of the uh, side stories was that a young captain or major in 1911 or 12 was asked to take uh, trucks and automobiles, as, as it were, uh, across the country. And that was a young captain or major... Uh, Dwight Eisenhower, and it took them two weeks to move this um, convoy uh, across the country, uh, and they realized infrastructurally, national mm -hmm. defense-wise, with the coming of uh, I guess, uh, the coming of uh, air flight, etc., that that was not going to do. And Eisenhower, when he became president, was instrumental in building the interstate mm -hmm. highway system. Absolutely. Um, and every fifth, there has to be a straightaway of a mile out of every five miles on the interstate mm. system for well, why so? for a landing uh, aircraft if necessary. Ha. Huh, really? I did not know that. No, no, no. Hmm. Oh. Every, all the benefits we enjoy. Um, because the Army was doing their job. And we're going to talk about that later because there's, there's, there is sort of a uh, a union between what you do for national defense uh, uh, at APG and also what the, the, the byproducts are for our comfort, our health, our protection, and daily life. Yeah, there is. I mean, going all the way back to the founding of APG, but really more so now. I mean, we've been there for 102 years. Uh, but a lot of advances in technology uh, that spin off into the commercial or private sector are invented in DOD at our laboratories. And we've got uh, more lab space here at Aberdeen Proving Ground than I think any other military post, mm -hmm. military base anywhere. And so we're doing a lot today, especially in the area of robotics and uh, autonomous systems and cybersecurity capabilities. And so you'll eventually see those spin off. And we just had uh, another two initiatives uh, for, um, what is it called, uh, general um, lab to commerce or lab to product? What is the name for that one? Converting technology for the use. Uh, oh, um, for yeah, so DevTech here on 
you know, in Hartford County is, is one venue, one opportunity. It's actually an agreement between uh, the federal and the, the local governments to have a technology exchange kind of framework. And if, if you, and so that manifests in a couple ways. It's an actual office space that's a meeting point for, for people to come and collaborate, which is over here off Route 40 next to the county's economic development office. But it's also just a, a legal agreement on how to proceed and share intellectual property and ideas and just figure out a business arrangement so that you can take some research that's developed on APG uh, with the nation's best scientists and laboratories and create some commercial opportunities with the intent of those opportunities then eventually coming back and benefiting the Army because we find somebody that has an out incentive to manufacture it and help our soldiers be more capable. Yeah. And uh, actually getting the, the huge benefits and use of a tremendous amount of R&D budget um, for for both for size and for all of us. Yeah. I okay. mean, that manifests itself in lower cost, uh, speed to market, um, access uh, to a lot of technologies and their uses for all of us. So. Right. Very cool. So uh, we're going to take a, a short break, and when we come back, we'll be talking with Major General Randy S. Taylor. This is 970 WAMD Aberdeen. The Abington Library is closed through August 2019 for a much-needed construction project. The branch windows and portions of the roof will be demolished and replaced. Abington customers are encouraged to visit any of the other 10 branches or access the digital library at hcplonline.org during this time. The Harford County Public Library appreciates everyone's patience as they complete these repairs. Updates will be posted to hcplonline.org as information becomes available. Welcome back. I'm co-host Mary Hassler, CEO of the Hartford County Public Library, and that is the amazing Bob Mumby. And this is the Hartford Edge. We're delighted to have Major General Randy S. Taylor, Commanding General, U.S. Army Communications Electronics Command, Senior Commander, Aberdeen Proving Ground. He's also a ranger, which I think is super cool and awesome, and he's with us in the studio today. General Taylor assumed duties as the 15th commander of the U.S. Army Communications Electronics Command, CECOM, and senior commander of the Aberdeen Proving Ground on April 13, 2017. As the commanding general for a 16,000-person, two-star global command and the senior commander of a 28,000-person military base, General Taylor serves as the U.S. Army's command, control, computers, communication, intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance, C4ISR material and integrator. He is responsible for enabling the U.S. Army's warfighting readiness by providing sustainable global C4ISR support. Welcome, General Taylor, and thank you so much for coming on the air today. Good morning, Mary Bob. Good to see you. Uh, welcome, and thank you. Happy and birthday to the Army. That's right. Woohoo! June 14th. It is. 1775. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my that gosh. It was, was a good year. And two years later, Flag Day, yeah. uh, the adopt oh. adoption of the Stars and Stripes. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think there's any connection with that? Oh, of course. It's got to be. Of course. Okay. So, I like it. So which is the oldest military service <gasps> in our Department of Defense? I bet you it's the Army. Of it course. And it predates our country founding, correct? Yeah. By a year. By a year. Very That's significant. So cool. Yeah, we were like right there from the start. And actually, the Army had the Air Force under it. We did. Until so they you're sort right. of went out on their own. Yeah, the Air Force came out of the Army. Actually, came out of the Signal Corps in the Army, 
which is our branch uh, in the in the Army, a function area that does all the IT stuff, communications, electronics, that sort of thing, which is my background. Uh, so that's where the Air Force started in the Signal Corps, and then it grew out. Ta-da! So if we gave you a quiz on semaphore, uh, would you know it, or is that Navy? Yes, yeah, so right now I'm showing you here, but the audience can't see the what I'm waving. He's so. waving his arms, and it's like you no, would that's see. That's how we started, back you know, with the wigwags. Uh, it's not just the Navy. Wigwags. I think the Navy got it from us. We were using the Army just to signal troops out on the battlefield. Very Den cool. Yeah. Dennis Miller used to talk about it. He goes, do you think pilots give a hard time to the the guys with the fat flashlights they give a hard time to everybody bring them into the bring them into the gate like oh i just jetted in from singapore thank you captain yeah. everetti you're going to bring me the last <laughs> furlong <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there you go. um i do have another one maybe we could talk about it when we talk about d-day okay it's not a joke is it tell us about randy taylor Oh my gosh, you start with the, the hardest question. Well, first. it's very talented. They say. What would you like to know? Uh, you're Ohio. Yeah, yeah actually. The um, oldest of seven. Oldest of seven, that's right. Raised in Ohio, in a, a small town up on Lake Erie, uh, almost in Canada. And oldest of seven kids, uh, stay at home mom. The father worked 30 years in, in the Ford plant right there on the assembly line. It was, it was a small factory town up in the, up the Rust Belt. Hmm. And uh, it, was, uh, it was good to grow up in the middle of America. Which, interestingly, <clears throat> that's where I'm going back to with my next assignment. I know we I can't leave wait here. To... Going to Omaha, not Ohio, but Omaha. So. And what's in Omaha that's taking <coughs> you away from us? Yeah, it better be a good reason, right? So uh, you got that right. Yeah. So it's the we call it the U.S. Strategic Command, which is uh, at Offutt Air Force Base, which is right there in, in Omaha. And U.S. Strategic Command, we call it Stratcom for short, is commanded by a four-star Air Force general. Interesting. Okay. So he'll be my boss. I'll be his chief of staff. And what that unit is responsible for is our nation's, uh, many things, but to include our nation's nuclear arsenal worldwide. So like all of worldwide. the, yeah, the, the nuclear submarines, which, you know, launch nu nuclear missiles, but our nuclear bombers, missile silos, and, and all the apparatus. The triad. The triad. And you nailed it. Which Donald Trump didn't know in one of the, the debates. The triad of the submarines, <laughs> the, the, the aircraft. That, uh, and the silos. And then the silos, absolutely. But all the apparatus that makes all that work and the decision-making you know, process behind it, that's huge. But they also have, like, all of our satellites and all you know, space-based capabilities. Oh, They're responsible cool. for that. So it's all about strategic deterrence, and that's what Stratcom does. And they're conveniently located in Omaha, Nebraska. Think about that. I had no idea this was in Omaha. I really didn't. It, it's it's really a thing. It kind of makes sense. I mean, Omaha's like right there in the middle of the country. And I tell you, if uh, if you're in the nuclear business, every second counts. You don't want to be too close to the coast, right? <laughs> right. And uh, interestingly, Nebraska hmm. is the only state in the union that is triple landlocked, meaning you have to pass through at least three other states after you leave Nebraska before you get to any open water. So the Army doesn't know that you and Lucas are sailors no, and scuba divers so and this, sailboarders? This, this is absolutely, this has got to be some kind of payback karma for our wonderful life here in the Chesapeake Bay. You know, this assignment the last two years at Aberdeen Proving Ground on the Upper Chesapeake has just been a dream. We absolutely love everything about it, the, the, the people, but to tell you, the bay has just been uh, magical. Just watching the sunrise come up over the bay every morning and just... Uh, being able to spend our leisure time out there, but just being around people like the water too, like boating and just like uh, like to be outdoors and like the fresh air. 
I, I think that's the best part about Maryland is we have a little bit of everything. Yeah. And people tend to really love the water. Just Absolutely. Just to be there and be out on it, whether you're a swimmer or a boater or, yeah. uh, or just looking at it. It's just amazing. I think it's part of what makes us special. It's a big, big part of it. Just the legacy here of uh, the watermen that worked the bay and the waterfowling that went on here. and. And just the uh, it, it just enriches our life so much. Just like I say, I mean, from the food we eat mm. and how, to how we celebrate the ospreys nesting on um, or uh, or uh, poles and towers on Aberdeen proving ground. Yeah, absolutely, the osprey eagles like crazy. Uh, I, I believe, and this has not been disputed yet. We have more eagles at Aberdeen proving ground than any other military installation, at least in the continental United States. I'm going to uh, confirm whether or not. Uh, uh, any military base in Alaska has more eagles when I go there and Lucas and I go there in July. Oh, fine. So we'll, on vacation, we'll check that out. But it's, yeah, it's just an oasis here, this this whole area. So, General, um, you you enlisted when you were 19. I did. I um, did. I was barely out of high school. Enlisted in the Army and really didn't have a plan. Uh, and so, what's surprises a few people because it looks like you know look at me now it looks like i plan over plan everything right it surprised your mom too the day uh, you enlisted didn't well, it it did because you know i knew that uh, me being the oldest of seven that she would not want me to go in harm's way or join the military and not coming from a military family we really didn't put a lot of emphasis on that so i went out on my own and went to the recruiter's office and got into this business uh, and then when i told her of course she broke down crying Aww. but it was, when did she cry harder yeah and the next time i remember her crying because of my my military involvement was actually happy tears uh, five years ago when i was selected for a one-star general and oh. so that was i think the two kind of cancel the two cries <laughs> cancel each other out so i think i'm in a good way right now so what, what i've learned is no matter how old you are you still live to make uh, your mama, mama proud so because of your love for the water yeah why the army and not the navy or, oh, I, know. I guess marines they yeah. So yeah, we we love we love the Navy, Marines, Coast, Coast Guard, and Air Force. Uh, frankly, uh, where I grew up, there wasn't uh, that option around. We didn't. I, okay. I didn't find my way. We had a local. Uh, I first uh, enlisted in the uh, the National Guard, and so we didn't have a, uh, a Marine or a Navy National Guard nearby. We had Army National Guard, and so uh, I started that way. It was uh, the most convenient, and just uh, it, it worked out. But also, I fell. It caused me to fall in love with the Army. I really don't know how it would have turned out, though, in the other services. I don't, that's, it's hard to speculate. We all get along. There's some rivalry between the services, but I absolutely think the Army was the best decision ever. So if someone told you that day yeah. that you were going to be a major general, what no. would you have said to them? No, they're high. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, there's something that probably not high but drunk because back then the drinking age was 18, so I think that would have been more likely. But that would have been very hard to see. Uh, I had not planned on it. My, my intent was uh, uh, just to come in and, and have, a, have a good time. Being raised in a small town, crowded house, uh, our most exotic annual vacation was a, a four-hour family drive packed up in the station wagon to go visit Grandma in the summer, and then maybe the, the Ford picnic down at Cedar Point, which was you Cedar know, Point. Uh, also up on Lake Erie. So I really uh, wanted to get out a bit and see the world and just do something different, do something that my friends and family uh, had not done or talked about before. Did you and know then that you had the right stuff? 
I mean, no. with a, no false modesty needed to, no. to have risen to what you've risen to and had the responsibilities you have had and have the command have such uh, faith and confidence in you, you've got the right stuff. Did you know then no, that you were special? I, no, no, and it, I still don't know, frankly. A part of me staying in the Army so long is to buy some more time until I can figure out what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> and there's a certain amount of that still applies. Well, thank God there are some folks who are, who are while they're trying to figure out what they want to do, they're doing what you, you do. You got to just <laughs> pick something to do. Yeah, so absolutely, Army serving as a soldier has been a, a passion. It, it didn't start out that way. I came in for very different reasons than what's kept me in. Mm -hmm. And so I came in just to, uh, uh, to get out and see the world, have some adventure, uh, uh, learn to do some cool things, you know, jump out of a planes and shoot some rifles, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but that's not the kind of stuff that's kept me in until this point, right? And so right now it's really more about uh, just a sense of service to our country and, and really supporting and defending the Constitution. And that's uh, not a cliche. To me, that's a very deep passion that has a lot of meaning and is, uh, to me, kind of all-consuming. That's what fuels me and Lucas to keep doing what we do, to help uh, make the Army accessible to the local community, help uh, create these stronger bonds, uh, because I think uh, we have all inherited this great gift of freedom, and it's a very precious thing that we shall not take for granted. Otherwise, uh, we would do so at our own peril. So we, uh, that's what keeps me in. That's what keeps us and you can tell, you can tell you really, you really do believe that and your actions support that. So all your adventures, yes. what would be your top one? It can be without breaking any, you know, confidentiality or privacy or giving away any details I shouldn't know about. Without having to shred you, right? Uh-huh, that one. <laughs> um, what was your, I, I guess your most exciting or maybe your most scary or your most... That you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I actually had to do that or do that or, you know... Yeah, wow, where do I start? Just yeah, there's, one. There, there's been a few uh, kind of jarring moments. You might not want to tell any uh, like war stories, but there are some. Boy, where do I start? Oh, Mary, you're going to have to let me think about it. Okay, you that. can let think about it. Yeah, yeah so we'll, come, me, we'll come, come back, back to that. Because it's, it's changed at every different phase of my career throughout my life. So it's very different than like what it would be now. So, for example, you know, I went to. Uh, Airborne school, I think, when I was mm, probably about 20 or so. And just jumping out of a 34-foot tower in practice, you know, as you prepare to jump out of a, a plane, mm -hmm. just jumping out of that tower was scary at the time. Did you, did you have a parachute or anything, or you are just jumping? No, well, you, you jump, actually, you're, um, you're suspended from a harness, just like what you would have when you exit an aircraft. Okay. Uh, except for the harness being attached to a parachute. It's attached to a cable, almost like a zip line. Okay. But still, that first time. So at the at the time, that you know, was a scary thing. But now I look back and laugh because I've since, you know, at our last Oktoberfest, for example, uh, we jumped out here over APG at 10,000 feet. Did you do that? Yes. You did? Yeah, and that was just a total blast. Wow. And so, you know, these things change over time. I can't I, even I, imagine. No. Um... But we'll, um, that's, that's actually, that's a good segue to talk to us about CECOM, the command at APG. You're heading out to Nebraska yeah. next week. We'd like to talk about that. But you've done a great job as, for all of us of helping what CECOM does be accessible and that it's so valuable for us 
and it's certainly uh, part of your personal mission. Tell us about CECOM. Sure. So, like Mary said at the beginning, that stands for the U.S. Army Communications Electronics Command. And that's actually one of the major commands at every improvement ground. There's several. Matter of fact, there are seven generals at APG. So I'm just, you know, one of, of, of seven. So there's, that means there's five two-star generals and two one-star generals at every improvement ground. So there are other commands, uh, I would say peers of, of CECOM, but I'll focus on CECOM because that's one of the two hats I wear. I'm senior commander of every improvement ground, but the commander of CECOM. So CECOM is about 16,000 people around the world. And what they do is after uh, at APG in our laboratories, we invent technology. And then we have our acquisition uh, experts at APG that uh, go through a testing process with the testing uh, done at APG or sometimes elsewhere. We acquire it, we field it out to our soldiers, and then CECOM is the organization that keeps that stuff working. So as soldiers fight with it, as soldiers use it and break it, we're the ones that help them repair it, help them keep the, the logistics straight so the uh, supplies and repair parts are where they need it, help them to keep the technicians in the field to keep it all working. For most of what soldiers use to communicate uh, and fight with on the battlefield, meaning we're now so interconnected in, in, our, in our warfare so that we rely on the situational awareness we get from connecting and sharing information. It's keeping those systems, we call it mission command systems, but command and control systems, keeping it all working wherever soldiers are and where soldiers fight. That's what CECOM does. Wow. And it's not like it has to work in 120-degree heat. It has to work in sandstorms. It has to work in... Iceland. In monsoon season. Iceland, you're right. It has to work while people are shooting at you. Yeah. You're right. And you so, can't run down, okay, to the, can't run down by a spare part a lot. So <laughs> No. So this is what's fascinating in our, about our business. So uh, more and more now, uh, warfare in general just requ requires information. And so it's a, it's a very much an information-rich environment so that commanders can get full awareness of, of where they are, where the enemy is, understand the environment so that they can decide and act in and, and win. And so what's different about how we exchange information on the battlefield versus how you do it at home, like I see your smartphone there on the table, or you know, I see your you got a computer in front of you or et cetera, you're pretty well connected and wired here and you're 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 like you've got so much information coming at you that helps you decide the next thing that you need to know or do, right? Well when we go out to a battlefield, uh, none of that exists. It's an, it's an aust it's a it's a blank sheet. It's an austere environment, and so we have to carry the network with us and create it there. So here you have cell towers at home. You have these the telephone switching uh, facilities all around. There's fiber cable. There's all, all kinds of connectivity and devices that keep you wired. When we go out and fight, we have to almost literally take it on our back and go stand it all up. Stand up this huge network. Uh, like you would have here in Hartford County or this whole area, we'd have to extend that create it across the entire battlefield area, uh, sometimes spanning countries, so that our soldiers can be connected to each other and dominate and win. Wow. I, I know this is a very conceptual question, but you mentioned before about uh, every second counts. And you're actually, and this just sounds impossible, Command, control, computers, communications, intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance. You have to integrate. Yeah, we do. Those things. Yeah, they used to be not so long ago separate, but now they're 
They must be. And it has to be foolproof. It has to be secure. And it has to be quick. Absolutely. And it has to survive the human element. Absolutely, yeah. So, can can you just speak to that for a second? Yeah, so we've since added a fifth C. So we're right in the midst of transitioning from, as you said, Mary, C4 ISR. Mm Mm-hmm now becoming C5 ISR. So when you come out to the campus for the change of command ceremony on the 20th of June, Mm -hmm. which we'll talk about in a little bit, you'll see this change occurring. And the fifth C is for cyber. So it's integrating all of those capabilities and sustaining them, as we call them, just keeping them functioning under that very stressful environment. Uh, But you're right, these these capabilities are not uh, independent or stovepipe like they once were. You've take, we take it for granted in our daily life here that things are going to be interconnected. Uh, but making them work with hardware that's meant to survive and fight in battlefield conditions, that's really tough. At any, at any location, at any moment the nation calls, like fight tonight. So it's keeping us and our soldiers ready. We don't get the option of saying, hey, uh, adversary, we need a couple <laughs> more days to get ready because our stuff's not quite working. You know, we've got to repair some things. We've got to get some parts. No, it's keeping our soldiers ready to fight tonight. That's what helps prevent wars. Wow. Yeah. Do you keep uh, older equipment around in storage? So I, I can't imagine if you would need it, but let's say you have to go into a situation where you don't have the latest technology yeah. that you're working on that you would normally send out and you know in order to do XYZ you need the older technology. Do you still maintain, keep that and maintain it? Yeah. So if you needed to pull up, I don't know, something they'd use in, I guess, I don't know, World War II. <laughs> Does the Army still have like that so they would know? Um, yeah, yeah. I was just curious. Yeah, so we, we don't have like... Um, a lot of horse-drawn carriages or anything, if that's okay. what you're asking. But yeah. but you, you bring up a good point, though. Uh, because our Army is so big and so capable and so spread around the world, you know, basically today we have 180,000 soldiers that are across 140 countries today as we sit here. That's Army soldiers. Uh, so it's not like we can replace all of their equipment at once and give them all the latest things. So we've got a, a great variety that's currently out with the forces now. Uh, that is new, mm-hmm. latest and greatest, and that is this kind of older legacy stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're constantly evolving all that and replacing it. So that adds to this complexity issue that you, you asked about, Bob. Like, you got to keep all this stuff integrated. Mm-hmm. It, the, not just these different types of capabilities, but now uh, these different uh, uh, generations of capabilities and keeping them interoperable and keeping them sustained. That's, that's huge. But I think part of what your question might be asking is, do we do we stockpile like large amount of equipment for just you know a really bad day? And actually, we do. It's called something called the Army Preposition Stocks, and that is at different places around the world and afloat on ships. We have lots of big hardware tanks and vehicles. Mm-hmm. Bob, you mentioned Bradleys, uh, so that if we need to really uh, go um, fight somewhere quickly. Uh, we just send the soldiers, and, and they fall in on the equipment that's already pre-positioned there waiting okay. for them. And they won't necessarily have to take their equipment from home because it takes a lot of time to, to move that, upload it, get it on a, on, a, on a train that goes to a ship and move it over there. So mm. that's part of how we stay ready strategically okay. around the Army. And the ignitions better work. 
and the brakes better have been checked. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, it's constantly. Yeah. And all the communication electronics need to be working. At the install, tested in the warm status so that you can just get in there and fight tonight. And that's what our Army needs to do is fight <clears throat> tonight. It's mind-boggling. So you mentioned you were in IT. That's kind of your one of your specialties, I, among yeah, other things. Yeah. So were you ever a hacker? <laughs> Just curious. I know someone always be a hacker. Don't be hacker. nervous. <laughs> See you clutching your phone. No, <laughs> no. I actually, um, I, I rely on experts for everything I do. Okay. And so I rely on what we call ethical hackers. Yes. Uh, soldiers that are trained to, to hack ethically, meaning to hack us, the Army's networks, and so that we can figure out our vulnerabilities and harden uh, our, uh, our network defenses. And so I... I I, I use hackers in the Army for, for that good purpose, but of course, uh, the Army has hackers for offensive purposes, but that's, oh, that's, a, different group. that's a different <laughs> discussion altogether, yeah. My son-in-law was an ethical hacker ah. uh, for Source Fire in Columbia, okay. um, and did that for many years, too, where they were constantly trying to break in, in so yeah. you could do the protection piece right. of it. That's why I was asking. Yeah, so IT is where I've been uh, last uh, couple decades of my career. So I've been on active duty now for 32 years, but I, when I, I, I enlisted in the field artillery and spent six years in the Guard and Reserve while working my way through college. So it took me six years to get a four-year degree. hope no kids are listening because that's not a good model to follow. But, but actually, if you are listening, look where he is yeah. now. I didn't give up. That's okay. the key. Mm -hmm. I, uh, and I work... sometimes when you have to have a job and you have to do other things, it just takes a little bit longer it, for us it, to finish. You do what you have to do. So I had to work full-time uh, and uh, get myself through school. My family would have loved to provide uh, for that, but they're raising six right. other younger brothers and sisters there. But I, I uh, came in the field artillery, and then uh, once I got a finished ROTC uh, and then graduated here at the University of Maryland, I, uh, I came into the infantry. So I was commissioned as an infantry officer, and that's how I started. And a great assignment in West Berlin before, during, and after the wall came down. Oh. And so that's when I really fell in love with the Army. I said, this is, good. this is the best life ever. And then after that, the Army transitioned me to what is now called the Signal Corps, the mm -hmm. IT business. Uh, mostly because my degree was uh, somewhat related to that, and that's what the Army needed. And it really worked out for the best, because now, uh, several decades on, uh, the, uh, the challenges and opportunities are so much better in the IT business. And if I'd been an infantry officer for the last few decades, uh, I'd be at a different place. Yes, you, your stories would have been very different. Yeah, they would. <laughs> Probably a lot more interesting, yeah. So this is the first management insight question. I know... Um, um, you don't like it to the focus to be on you. Yeah. Let's, but we talk about you. Huh? <laughs> no, we don't want yes. to talk about Bob. <laughs> yes, I have a question. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. We're going to talk about the army. Go, go ahead. No, no, this is the army. This All is. Right. Uh, but it's the management role you play. What you touch here, whether it's uh, physics, chemistry, communication, electronics, uh, database, networking. Yeah. You can never know all that, and yeah. you're about to go to an assignment in Omaha that involves a whole nother vast array of disciplines. It is. And you have to rely on a lot of experts. Yeah. How have you gotten good at realizing you can rely on someone? And mm. um, Because you're obviously putting a lot of faith in them and oh, absolutely. putting your 
reputation and your performance. Yeah, it is. Well, on, on their performance. So. Uh, yeah, I completely rely on experts. Everything I do, I'm usually uh, uh, by far not the smartest guy in the room on just about any subject that uh, you know we we have on an average day here. Fortunately, I'm surrounded by such good people. Uh, the Army does a good job training folks to be experts in their fields, and part of my job is to lead groups of very disparate experts and bring them together so we can come up with a good team or a group solution and figure out what's best. And so it's identifying who those right kind of sounding boards or experts are is, is part of the, uh, the secret sauce here. So you know who to, to devote more time to or listen closer to and who is you know, maybe wasting your time. And then, then build the team from there. And it's it's a, you know, a very uh, different job, like you just said, going out to Nebraska than we currently have here. But I've got a little background in that. Actually, I spent uh, one of the things I got to do, spent two years at the, at the White House. And so I got to see the other end of this whole nuclear apparatus. And so out at STRATCOM, they are responsible for the actual employment or operations of, of the nuclear capabilities. But the decision-making uh, ultimately uh, resides with the president, you know, the National Command Authority. And so I, I was involved with that uh, when I was there, and that, that ended the operation. And so now I get to very, this is a very rare opportunity to kind of have the bookend, uh, each, each end of that very vast infrastructure. And then now my task is to really develop a deep understanding of everything that's in between those two, two ends of the operation. So that's what I'll, I'll focus on next. So will you have a red phone in Omaha? <laughs> and then the other end is over in the White House? Well, I, I, I will. Is, is it the a football? real red? Is it, is it? Well, so that's a, so I'm just that's, curious. Okay, so these are, these are good, like, is there a normal football? person questions. So yeah, let, me, yeah. let me unpack some of those. Okay. So I'll, I'll get to the phone okay. in a bit. But, Bob, you just mentioned the footballs. So basically, footballs. that's kind of a nickname that uh, refers to a satchel that the military aid to the president carries that has uh, what the president needs and when he's got to make a nuclear decision, mm -hmm. right? And, and some other things to keep the president connected, et cetera, et cetera. But all of that is uh, uh, carefully protected, right? But uh, what I've just described to you is something that is, is kind of fairly well known. You can just look it up easily. So that's what the football? the football term is. Yeah, and so it's not literally a but it's football. Oh, it's like... It's yeah, it's, it's, it's like a briefcase, but it's... Yeah, it's, it's probably like, handcuffed to somebody, okay. Yeah, so the, the, the military aide, which is normally a lieutenant colonel, uh, and the president has aides from each of the service, so he's got an Army, Air Force, mm -hmm. a Marine, and Navy uh, aide that uh, looks after him and assists this way. But the, these, these red phones, and I think back in the day, they were like literally red, mm -hmm. so you wouldn't like confuse them with... Any other phone? Yeah, exactly. So you'd, <laughs> all the phones were ringing. You knew which one to pick up first, perhaps. But uh, yeah, there, there's. Uh, I will have several phones. Several I, phones. I, well, don't be impressed. That's, I am impressed. <laughs> but the, the phones to make uh, those types of decisions are—they come with the job. Absolutely. And do you carry them twenty-four-seven? I don't know. I'm not there yet. Oh, that's right. You're not. Well, oh, I so, want to know. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so, tell uh, so I'll be responsible to stay connected 24-7 if that's what you're asking. Absolutely. Yes. That's a big, big part of the uh, responsibility. Now, what about if you go go on vacation? Yeah, so we do that. Um, so <laughs> I, 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 He's required to go on yeah, vacation. Yeah, so I, I'm, uh, you know, fortunately I've got, uh, I'll serve a, a boss, uh, as I said, a four-star and a three-star deputy. So uh, between all of us, we'll, we'll work out vacations and who's... You know, expected first to pick up the phone or whatever, but it's uh, the the military does a good job on making sure that you 
you get your vacation time. Yeah, our soldiers of all ranks get the same amount of vacation. So if you're a brand new private or if you're a four-star general, uh, you get uh, 30 days of leave a year, which is pretty good. And and the Army especially has done a really good job recently to make sure general officers take their vacation. And uh, matter of fact, it came out with a policy within the last year that uh, each of we generals are required to now take 10 to 14 consecutive days a vacation at least you know once a year just so that we stay in balance so we take care of ourselves take care of our families and are more effective leaders so i don't expect that to change when i go to stratcom i'll still hmm. be taking vacations okay. yeah we'll, we'll work that out so you're you're experts that you work with that yeah. give you information so i understand i read in the news that there was a flying saucer sighting recently yeah. so what without breaking any confidences <laughs> or having to put me in the shredder um <laughs> what can you tell us about this flying saucer sighting? Well, yeah, so now, now we're really not getting into a very uh, touchy area of uh, what's classified and unclassified. I'll tell you what. So um, I know we're going to talk about a little bit later, but I'll change command on the 20th of June, right, 10 o'clock at yes. every Improving Ground, and we'll invite uh, you and the public out to that. Uh, but the night before, mm -hmm. on the 19th, we're going to have a, like a, a farewell, kind of a send-off, and uh, the public's also invited to that. But, and but, let me uh, stop you for one second, yeah. if I may. Uh, if you're interested in attending, it's uh, next Wednesday at 4 p.m. at Water's Edge. You need to register by uh, 11 a.m.? 11 a.m. this morning. Mm -hmm. This morning. Because we got to close that out, this, the, the tickets, right? June-19.eventbrite.com. That's June-19.eventbrite.com. And um, we could put that on the um, uh, um, HCPL online as well. We certainly uh, can. Maybe. Yeah. So that's um, yeah. That's where you go ahead and register for this big farewell kind of community party. It's going to be a great Chesapeake theme kind of feast and all kinds of good stuff. But where I'm going with this, if you show up on the 19th, yes, I'm going to talk about the flying saucers <gasps> at Aberdeen Proving Ground. I'm going to disclose yes. um, how Aberdeen Proving Ground involved has been involved with flying saucers and what technology we created to counterattack the flying saucers to counterattack exactly and what Aberdeen Proving Grounds role was in keeping not just our nation but the world from being invaded by flying saucers wow okay yes. so what was that address again if you want to register for the party bob <laughs> June dash nineteen, the number one nine. Mm -hmm. June dash nineteen dot eventbrite e v e n t b r i t e dot com. Okay, yeah, and we will also put a slide up on the library website. Oh, so the people can just click through to it. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll set that up too. So yeah, like you said, eleven o'clock this morning. We got to cut off uh, the registration for that because okay. we got to give final numbers to Water's Edge and. And it's it's limited, so it's really a first-come, first-serve opportunity. Okay. Yeah, but I want this to be a community uh, celebration because uh, what I've stressed the last uh, two years here being in command is really making the Army and every Proving Ground more accessible because I very, very much believe that the Army and Aberdeen Proving Ground belongs to all of us. It's not some kind of mystical uh, enclave behind our gates that it belongs to the people the American taxpayers and we rely on each other and it was actually 
You know, we, we have a great uh, legacy here of this partnership uh, that goes back 102 years between the Proving Ground and, and the local communities. And so we, we continue that, but back at in, in uh, September 11th, 2001, it really caused us to lock down for good reasons. And, and that really uh, kind of changed the relationship. It was much harder to get on any military installation. And so over time, we've uh, kind of struggled on how do we become more accessible, more connected with our community, but also how do we protect ourselves and keep those two things in balance. Uh, and and you've, you've seen that since uh, 2001, different um, uh, kind of variations of our relationship. And like any other relationship, you'll have times where you kind of grow together, grow apart. So you've seen that kind of fluctuate. I, I really feel in the last two years, we've done a lot collectively to grow together. And what's partially enabled that is technology. Uh, so uh, we've mitigated the risk of making APG more accessible because of technology. And so now anybody comes through our gates, I won't lay everything out here, but uh, you know, every everyone is uh, every everyone is everything that is recorded. All licenses are scanned. Uh, if anybody uh, trying to just come through and. and um, slips past the gate, we can stop them immediately. We have technology we rely on to really mitigate the risk. So that's created an opportunity now to make us extremely accessible to uh, the, the, the people who do good and, and have a, an easy means to take care of the people who do harm. And so now I don't have to keep all the good people away because I'm worried about the few that might act poorly. So we've had some great events. Uh, we've invited the community, like remember Oktoberfest, mm -hmm. Discovery Fest, and lots of other things. I want to continue that theme. That's why we're opening up the change of command ceremony on the 20th of June at 10 a.m. And so no registration required. No registration required. Now, if you're a VIP or whatever and you, uh, you, you would expect to have a reserve seat or something, then contact my protocol office. But in general public, uh, scan your, your license at the gate. Follow the signs to the event. It's going to be in the big outdoor uh, venue. Uh, now, if it rains and we have to go indoor to the theater, we'll have to, uh, unfortunately, that won't fit as many people. But then the, the night before and the 19th, I want to continue this theme of it's all about uh, us coming together, APG and the communities. This farewell is not just about uh, me and Lucas. We're just uh, two very lucky people that happen to be here as part of this waypoint of a long legacy of partnership. Again, we cannot thank you and, and Lucas enough for the sacrifices that you make um, and for the job you do for us because uh, so much of it, I'm sure, is behind the scenes and requires a lot of homework and, and preparation that we'll never see. And, um, you know, we're just forever indebted to, to you and your, all of your, uh, um, your brethren in the armed services. And talking about sacrifices, how many moves have you made? Wow. Wow, 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 wow. At some point you stop counting, right? It's <laughs> like your birthdays. So, uh, so I only know this because Lucas has done a much better job of keeping track. And so he, he and I have been together like 22 going on 23 years. And I think he said last that we have like at least 17 moves together. Uh, getting ready, I think, for number 18. I could be off one or two. So, yeah, you, you move. But this isn't, this is, okay, this abnormality is very normal in the military. We we rotate and move families a lot. And you just figure it out. It's, a, it's sometimes a little stressful. Sometimes, though, it's exciting about exploring a new place. 
but uh, we, we get through it all right. And so our movers actually, uh, let's see, I think they're going to finish packing everything today and okay. get it loaded on the truck and haul the truck away this afternoon <laughs> or tomorrow morning. We'll kind of see how they go, but uh, they're, they're at the house right now packing up. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Is there a short or a long list of things you're going to double-check? To make sure they packed it right. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so this is interesting. What's different about this particular move for us uh, is the house that we're going into is actually on base. And it's my the, the, the general I'm replacing is going to be in it for a little while. He's waiting for his next job to open up. So Lucas and I will be in a hotel <laughs> waiting for the house to open up. So some number of months. We're not sure. So we're going to, as part of this move, we've had to uh, figure out what to separate for living out of a suitcase for a long, long time and what to, to put in storage for a while. But it, it takes a fair amount of coordination for that. And then we're taking some vacation on the way there, which makes the packing even more interesting. We've got a few uh, interesting adventures lined up in, the, in Denali and Alaska and some uh, explorations up both the northeast coast, up New Brunswick area, and, uh, and then uh, Nova Scotia up the west coast uh, all along the coast of Canada and have you ever seen the Northern Lights, or will you see them on this trip? I have not seen them. It's absolutely on my bucket list. So we went to Iceland last uh, summer. It was just a quick, uh, long weekend visit out of Baltimore. It was so it's actually easy to get there out of Baltimore. Quick uh, direct flight. Iceland Air. Uh, so we went on Wow Airlines. Okay. Um, uh, so nobody should take this as an. Endorsement. endorsement because they're out of business now <laughs> they, <are out> of <laughs> so, they were very quick <laughs> so i don't have to worry about that endorsement risk there so but uh it was, it was a great time but we went in the summer and so we did not see northern lights and now we're going to alaska in the summer so i don't have any expectations we'll see them then but i've got to get back in the winter so have you seen northern lights no, no. i gotta no. turn some of these questions around and you if you're asking really good questions <laughs> enough about me what about you no this is you are the guest you are the guest. And, you know, Mary, we're very shy. and. Oh, quiet. yeah, right. <laughs> we are. I'm a, I'm a real librarian introvert. Okay. <laughs> I truly am, That's actually. So. <laughs> yeah, Northern Lights is still on the bucket list. i got to do that. Um, uh, I understand. It's, it's amazing. Um, they are amazing. You're listening to 970 WAMD Aberdeen. And one quick thing about also, uh, you're philosophy on community engagement and yeah. embracing the community and you don't have a very long time span in which to do that yeah. uh, two years is a long time actually you've been here what uh, 20 months uh, 26 months uh, about 25 okay uh, that, almost 26 you're right so I mean it's incredibly how rapidly but but gracefully you've embraced the community and you've brought the community in um is that general randy taylor's philosophy is it part of an army initiative uh how did that come about and um just speak to that for a minute yeah, the importance yeah. to you of that and yeah thanks for asking uh we do it uh, from the heart we do it uh, lucas and i because it's fun it's not something the army's told us to go out and do it's not like some grand army program or kind of synchronized activities across the army uh, army certainly would want us to do this but this is this is something that's a personal passion for us for for several reasons and 
I don't want to lose anybody that's listening because this, this is going to sound, um, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe a little too patriotic or something. But uh, this whole support and defend the Constitution thing I talked about in this great inheritance of uh, liberty and freedom that we have here uh, is a thing to be uh, cherished and, and defended, right? And I'm concerned uh, that one of the unintended consequences of us becoming an all-volunteer army right after Vietnam, we stopped the draft, which was the best decision ever because it really improved the professionalism of, the, of our force. The unintended consequence, though, is this kind of a widening civilian-military gap between those who have some military connection, not necessarily serving in uniform, but maybe there's a, a government civilian or contractor at a place like Avenue Proving Ground, or the raise in a county here like Harford or Cecil, where they feel a bit more connected to the military, or maybe they're, they have a relative that served somehow in the past or currently. But the number of people that have any type of military connection in this country is really going down. You see that in our elected leaders. You just see that in the general populace. So what? And why, why do I care? And why do I try to do my part to close that gap? Well, it's uh, one, uh, what we've considered, what I personally consider in the Army to be the Army's center of gravity uh, is the support of the American people. And what I mean by center of gravity is this, and it's like a military doctrinal term. And that is, it is the thing uh, that makes you the most successful, the most powerful. And, and this, this thing, this capability, or this um, aspect is different for every type of country or culture or, or, or military, right? Some, some places it might be uh, some geographical advantage or, or weapon or technolo uh, technological advantage or a resource advantage. Uh, here, are the strength of our army and our, and our military forces truly, truly is the American people. The, the will and the support the American people. That, that is what makes us absolutely the most powerful army that this world has ever known. It's the support of the American people. And uh, that's why this widening gap concerns me, because I don't want to lose that, that precious uh, support. That's part of it. The other part of this is as uh, the gap widens over time, when you just look at the trend line, uh, when people become disconnected, our culture becomes disconnected from those who uh, go in harm's way, it gets a little bit easier for elected leaders just to commit those forces to conflict, right? Because the general populace gets disconnected and thinks, well, somebody else will go fight these wars. That doesn't concern me. Somebody's taking care of that. And someone else will pay for them, pay for those wars and some future credit card bill that I don't have to worry about, no skin off my back. Uh, that's not good for anybody. That's not good for our form of government. Uh, and that's certainly not good for those who would be, be called in harm's way. And so it's in, in our best interest that we uh, stay connected as much as possible. And locally, and I, and I think in most cases, things like this are best addressed at a local level, right? We just can't uh, point the finger to uh, Washington, D.C. Or, or something else. We, these are things to be addressed locally by people like you and me and, and those that we are our neighbors and friends. Locally, we can do our part to be connected, to be joined uh, for this common purpose of supporting and defending the Constitution, understand what it takes to commit our army and to make our soldiers ready and do what's necessary, and understand the cost involved and the cost that should be uh, shared by all of us so that 
when the army goes to war, Hartford County goes to war. The state of Maryland goes to war. The whole country goes to war. That's how we all should look at this. If we don't, I think we could end up in a, in a regrettable place someday. Hmm. That's my concern. And so it's that philosophy uh, that, that fuels me uh, to, that gives me the clarity uh, to do what I do as I have to make hard choices in my day uh, what things I can and, and cannot have time for, right? And so that's kind of the, the overarching kind of strategic or macro explanation of that. Uh, but uh, a little more uh, practical explanation is that Lucas and I just have fun with it. We enjoy just getting out and doing what we do. I want to do it for the good purposes I just described, um, but we like doing that. And whenever you enjoy doing something, then it's, it's easy to repeat. It's sustainable. You know, if it's too hard, you just you run out of steam at some point. But we have not run out of steam at all. Uh, actually, engaging with the community has, has energized us because we've received so much uh, goodwill and energy from the community. We're so grateful. We're definitely leaving here better people. I mean, me, a better leader, but also just better humans for this experience that we've shared here uh, locally in, in ways that I'm, I'm trying to put into words that I would like to articulate at the change of command ceremony on, on the morning of the 20th of June uh, so I can, you know, make it a little bit clear on how how much we've benefited, how much better people Lucas and I are after this experience. We've, uh, as I mentioned, uh, we've been together 22 years, and this is by far the first time in our time together that we felt like we've been at home, that we felt like we've been in a community uh, that's just embraced us and just allowed us just to be us, just allowed us just to be and do our thing, just you know, no strings attached. And that's, uh, for us, it's, it's, it's kind of, I know it sounds corny, but it's kind of magical. It's, it's really, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not getting any younger. And so that's, uh, that's the specialness of that's not lost on me. And so it happened here. We didn't know when or how it would ever happen. Uh, we always knew it would happen. We never lost uh, kind of faith that uh, eventually we'd, uh, you know, kind of get to this experience. Uh, but it actually happened here, and that's uh, that's what part of the reason why we have some, such deep, deep connections uh, uh, with this this community, and that's why we we look forward to returning. Well, folks, we're talking to uh, Major General Randy Taylor, and we'd like to just on that note, um, the magical part. Uh, you, you mentioned you said something a while back, uh, um, and I'm. I'm not even going to attempt to paraphrase it, but it talked about tr the tremendous strength and fulfillment and satisfaction you get each day from knowing the difference you've made and the difference you're making every day. Just talk about that for a second. I think you said li life well lived. Oh, yeah. There's, you know, if I'm a young person and I'm contemplating going in the military or if you're a parent of somebody who's thinking about going in and, uh, yeah. I remember back when I was 19 and enlisted, my planning horizon wasn't very far. I didn't take, couldn't take a long view on just about anything. That's not unusual for that age. I mean, every once in a while you you, you meet a very impressive young person that's got uh, the clarity and has a long view. But my uh, my horizon then was kind of like the next pay period or something. It really didn't extend very far. But now as uh, I've walked the uh, this planet uh, with you for the last few decades, 
I know that when my time is done here and I look back, uh, there will absolutely be no regrets on service in the military, in uniform. Uh, absolutely a life well lived. Um, and that's part of, like, the reason why I keep doing this. So, you know, I, I could have retired a while ago. Uh, absolutely enjoy this. I'm so grateful that the Army still uh, will have me. So if you're giving advice to a young person that's thinking about the military, I can't expect them to have uh, these these great um, patriotic uh, reasons uh, that inspire them at, at the age of 18 or 19. But uh, you, if you encourage them, be assured uh, you will be very proud. Uh, they will be very proud of the choice in time, of the choice that they made uh, to serve their country uh, in this way. And there are so many ways to serve your fellow citizen. I'm not just saying that the military is the only way, uh, but uh, I, I happen to... It, it works for me. It works for me. And each of you serve the community in your own way. You, you are just two icons in the community. I want to thank you for your service here locally, making a difference. Uh, I really appreciate that. And so it's just this teamwork of people that just want to leave this uh, this place better than we found it. And the military is, is one way of doing that. To paraphrase the line, some people spend their time wondering if they're making a difference. Oh, yeah. General... Randy Taylor doesn't have that problem. No, not at all. <laughs> it never crosses my mind. I, now I'm all, it's actually the opposite. Um, I'm always uh, wondering uh, what I can do next. You know, it's yeah. What's yeah. the next? What's around I, yeah. the corner? I feel like the team here, uh, APG, uh, is making a tremendous difference. Uh, but I'm I'm always the kind of guy that just wants to see what's next. But we're, we're we're very confident we're making a difference here. It's because of this relationship. And next just happens to be Stratcom. Stratcom, Stratcom yes. Stratcom Omaha. Omaha. Great stakes. And there's a great shuffleboard bar. Set. There's a great shuffle bar that has a shuffleboard table <laughs> on Dodge Street. Oh, you've been there. Oh, that's the, 40, the 49er, but I always called it the 49R because I, yeah. <laughs> that's where they all left for uh, the. Uh, oh, for the West? For the Gold, for the gold Rush? rush? Yeah, so Stratcom, yeah, that's, so Omaha, that's going to be interesting. I've heard so many good things about it from people that uh, have been stationed there. And so we're looking at uh, just the newness of discovering that place. And you there. can sail and paddleboard and scuba dive in the Missouri, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Missouri and Platte River. All, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, Nebraska is a bit landlocked. Yes. Yeah. But they've they got a lot of neat things going on in Omaha. It's not a... Um, it's not a small town. Yeah. It's not, stretch. and it is. Uh, it, 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 there's a lot of uh, corporate headquarters there. Some great institutions. So. Well, you know, you, you mentioned that the uh, I was reading recently, and it was reported in USA Today that Omaha is like, back when it was reported, um, eighth on the list of billionaires per capita, hmm. and also eighth on the list of like uh, Fortune, I think, 500 companies. And probably the only city to make it that high on those two lists. Other cities are probably higher on one of the two. And so that's a pretty unique comp you know, combination. Yeah. It has a lot to do with the uh, the history there, being a crossroads for, for many things. Uh, transportation, but now IT infrastructure. But also a significant um, uh, cattle and other livestock, agriculture, etc. That's really caused that to be a major trading area and part of the reason why... Uh, that they've prospered so well there. 
Well, they have a good li public library system, I understand, too. A yeah. dear friend of mine was the library director there for many years. Oh, good. Yeah, so. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. They do infrastructure in Omaha. That's something else I'm looking forward to. That Really, they've invested a lot in, in infrastructure. And they're really, um, in many regards, a model for how to do that. So that's, that's, I'll be looking that's at the library's right. infrastructure, mm -hmm. but it's, it's just facilities and, uh, and, and transportation and distribution, et cetera. They really seem to have mastered that. It does make a difference. Well, um, we're going to take a quick break, but General Taylor, uh, we would like to thank you with, uh, from the bottoms of our heart for your professional and personal commitment to our freedoms and our community. And we cannot think of a better place for you to have had a two-year tenure than right here. Neither can I. We agree. It was and meant to be. It when, really so was. So when will you and Lucas be back? When can we, <laughs> when can we pencil that in? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to keep uh, hoping for the best. This was by far our number one choice for, for the place to be assigned to next when we, when we got this. Uh, and so all of that really, uh, those positive thoughts got us here originally. I'm hoping it might work again. We come back and uh, we're looking forward to, to coming back here when, our, when the Army's done with us. Fantastic. Thank you, General. Thank you both. Thank you. We're going to take a break and when we come back we'll cover some great events coming up at the library and beyond. The Abington Library is closed through August 2019 for a much-needed construction project. The branch windows and portions of the roof will be demolished and replaced. Abington customers are encouraged to visit any of the other 10 branches or access the digital library at hcplonline.org during this time. The Harford County Public Library appreciates everyone's patience as they complete these repairs. Updates will be posted to hcplonline.org as information becomes available. Have a small project at home that you've been putting off? Need some help but don't need a large contractor? For more than seven years, D.R. Curry Contracting, Inc. in Aberdeen has been offering residential and light commercial renovations, remodeling, and maintenance to clients in the Harford County area. Their professional and efficient staff work on installations of windows, doors, siding, kitchen and bath remodels, and more. Customer service and satisfaction is of paramount importance in D.R. Curry Contracting, Inc.'s continued success, no matter the budget. It's time to get that project done. Call 410-272-8779. That's 410-272-8779. Let D.R. Curry, Inc. make your dream renovation become a reality. Welcome back. You're listening to 970 WAMD Aberdeen, and this is the Harford Edge. I'm co-host Mary Hassler, CEO of the Harford County Public Library, and that is the wonderful Bob Mumby. So, Bob, we have so many exciting things coming up this summer. I Just talking about everything uh, going on at APG and General Taylor and his team, you've got a pretty impressive team yourself You know that has a lot going on. We, Tell us about some of it. We do. We have an amazing team that people, uh, like the Major General was talking about, commitment, uh, engagement, caring. Wanting to change the world for better, and that's that seems to attract what people who come and work at the library and stay because they just want to have such an effect. So this year, and of course we were talking about flying saucers a few minutes ago, this year we have our summer reading kicks off on Monday on June 17th at the Bel Air Libraries in Haverty Grace. We have our big kickoff parties. And you had a, over two, three hundred people last year. Oh, yes, up, we right? did. Uh, we certainly did. 17,000, I believe. I believe it was over 17,000 children participated last summer. 
And then, of course, we couldn't do this without our amazing sponsors, which are just terrific. So the theme this year is A Universe of Stories. And Summer Reading Kickoff, Monday, June 17th at all the locations. But if you want to come to two special parties, there's one at 10 a.m. at Bel Air, 10 to noon, and then the Haverty Grace Library, 1 to 4. And you can pick up your registration materials. You get to meet all our sponsors who, to be honest with you, we couldn't do it without them. They just change lives so much. Online registration already is open, so you can pre-register online and then pick up your items. We have tote bags. We have T-shirts. We have books again. HCPLonline.org. Yes. HCPLonline.org. And we know, we know that children who continue to read during the summer maintain their reading skills for when school starts back up in the fall, and that's what it's all about. And that could make a huge difference. Yes, and this goes through high school. school year. Yes, this is uh, starts with our babies. That's our read to me uh, activities through high school. Fantastic. Okay. Okay. Well, I think we're quite done. Um, thank you again to General Taylor. Thank you to Mary Hassler, the host. I'm the co-host. You're the host. Oh no, no, you're the host. I'm the co-host, and. I guess that's all the time we have for the Harford Edge. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and talk to you next week.